0: Hello and welcome to the March edition of Cultures of Las Vegas. You can probably guess why March is the month chosen to focus on Irish Americans and their contributions to our community. About 10% of local residents claim to have some degree of Irish roots. Of course, that number rises to about 100% on St. Patrick's Day. My name is George Knapp, a moderator of today's program. And in my day job, I'm an investigative reporter for KLS TV. and yes, I have Irish blood. My paternal grandmother's from Ireland. And uh, our conversation, I think for the next 30 minutes or so, 30 minutes, is that all? They they do know we're Irish, right? Uh, Is gonna highlight contributions made by Irish Americans to the melting pot that is the Las Vegas community, Clark County. Uh, My guests, uh, the other panelists today, uh, Terry Murphy is a one woman Irish tourism bureau. She's the former honorary Irish council in Nevada yeah. D- they never replaced you, though, right? Not yet. They can't. How could they? <laughs> they could try. And uh, you know, and has uh, she has strong armed and uh, talked uh, generations of uh, locals into visiting Ireland. In her day job, she uh, runs Strategic Solutions, a public affairs a consulting company deeply involved in um, political issues, charitable causes and businesses that are vital to the local economy. Diana Kenny too good Southern Nevada Sons and Daughters of Aaron. You're gonna tell us what that organization does. Brian McMullen, owner of McMullen's Irish Pub. We know what goes on at a place like that. Uh, pub is, pubs are of course a vital part of uh, this community and, and I, Irish Irish life as well. And Dr. Kean McMahon is a UNLV historian and author. And we're all gonna join this conversation. here. I wanna start with you. Th- that number, 10%, of locals uh, having Irish blood, is that solid?
1: That's 10% of Nevadans, yes, we're one of the higher uh, levels in the nation. Um, And that started, actually Dr. McMahon might be able to elucidate on that a little bit, but uh, in the 1840s and 50s up in the northern part of the state with the building of the railroad and the mining industry.
0: I wondered because I, I know a couple of years ago I did a DNA test and I grew up thinking, all right, I know my grandmother is Irish but the rest of my family I figured was German. And I get this DNA test back and it says, uh, I don't have any German at all. It's all UK, British Isles, Irish, and Scandinavian. Well, do you. (laughs) (laughs) Diane, what is the uh, Sons and Daughters of Erin?
2: We are um, a local Irish club. It's uh, actually the Sons and Daughters of Erin is is nationwide, but we're the local uh, chapter for that. And um, we meet on the second Wednesday, of every month at McMullins. And um, basically we are a social club that gets together, you know, Irish people or people with interest in Irish culture. You don't necessarily have to be Irish to join. Most of us are though. Um, We do a lot of uh, charity work in the community and we also put on the big Irish festival on St. Patrick's Day in Henderson. Um, and in the parade. The parade is mm-hmm. part of that festival, uh-huh. Um, we usually have about 65,000 people attend the festival. Uh, this year, because they're doing a bunch of construction in Henderson, we've had to scale it down a little bit. So it's going to be a little bit smaller. We usually have about hundred floats in the parade and this year is probably going to be between 80 and 90. It's not a big scale down, but a little bit.
0: And Terry, I was just kind of joking, sort of, mm-hmm. that you've taken everybody from Las Vegas to Ireland, but you've taken a, a lot.
2: I've
1: taken a few tours, and a lot of people who are going over there usually give me a call and ask, What should I do? Where should I go? And between Brian and I, and we tell everybody where to go don't we Brian Oh we do yeah <laughs> and then once they go they want to go back yes you that's the, a big that's problem the yeah they have to Ireland go back once yeah. you go you have to go back
0: uh, Brian uh, Terry had sent me some notes about the, the origin of the word pub a public house which it's is a public house. sort of yeah. a
3: central central part of irish life Absolutely it's it's where people in small villages meet where people go i mean and it's a strange thing over here. You you may not see a priest in a pub here because they'll think badly of them. But over there, it's an essential thing because if you don't go and your wife goes and you're not being a particular boy, you can only talk to you in the pub. So he'll buy you a Guinness and they'll have a little chat. How did you end up in Las Vegas? Uh, casino business. I was in the casino business from 1968 in England and and in South Africa and over here since 19... Um, 19- 92 92 did you always know you were going to own a pub here no 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 i finished the casino business on the 31st of december 1999 and i started doing uh, work for the irish pub company out of dublin built 700 pubs around the world i didn't build 700 pubs they did and i acted as their agent so nine fine Irishmen for does a number of cas- they've built uh I think about 100 in the United States, and I haven't done, uh, I've done with seven of them. And it's its uh, not as good as it used to be in terms of building them. I mean, they are building a few a year, but people quite a lot at one particular time, yes.
0: And other than the sons and daughters of Aaron, do you have, you find your place is a meeting place for Irish people who are here visiting? Oh, oh yeah,
3: I'm wearing there? the shirt because England play Ireland on. Sunday, seven o'clock in the morning rugby as part of a Six Nations tournament rugby. So we could have a hundred Irish there, tourists. And we'll also have locals because I support the local Las Vegas Irish team, which is the third biggest rugby club, fifth biggest rugby club in the whole country. They have four teams and yes.
0: Irish English competition, probably very friendly.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we would love to beat them on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> we, there's no other. You know, we won't be too upset afterwards. We'll be upset with ourselves. We, we love to beat them.
4: So, Kian, you you have studied the Irish in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, I studied the Irish uh, in Ireland and uh, Irish emigration uh, more broadly uh, in the uh, in the times in which the Irish began coming to the United States in in the largest numbers, which was in the mid 19th century. Most of my research is on the East Coast, but, uh, but I have looked at the, at the, uh, at the American West in, in some ways, yeah. And you wrote a book about it. I've written it, yeah. My book is about, it's called The Global Dimensions of Irish Identity, and it looks at the historical roots. Nowadays, of course, as your listeners know, 70 million people around the world, including about 40 million in the United States, identify as, as being Irish. When I was looking at the newspapers and the uh, documents from the 1840s, though, I I realized that they connected being Irish with being on the island of Ireland. And by 150 years later, you could be Irish anywhere in the world. So my book looks at the kind of historical dimensions of that and how that that developed. But I am interested in the Irish in the West. Um, In some ways, the Irish have been written out or maybe imagined out of the, um, of the history of the American West mm-hmm. because um, for two reasons. So for a long time, Irish historians assumed that after the great famine of 1845 to 1855, in which the, the potato on which the Irish population was heavily reliant was wiped out, the assumption was that Irish, Irish immigrants, when they went to the United States and Canada, didn't want to farm anymore. Well, that actually turns out wasn't true. They got into farming. It's just that they got a lot of jobs on the East Coast. And the other side of the debate, which I thought was very interesting, is that a lot of American historians thought of the, West, the American West and the frontier as a place of rugged individualism. And that idea of the West as a place of rugged individuals didn't fit with the notion of Irish as Catholics, clannish, superstitious, etc. So the Irish are part of the story of the American West. It's just that we're learning those dimensions now. You know,
0: immigration is always a hot topic here and everywhere around the world. Uh, people tend to forget that the Irish were sort of the low uh, rung of the ladder for a long time and were on the receiving end of the kinds of, uh, of attacks and stereotypes that, uh, that other uh, ethnic groups uh, and nationalities are experiencing now
1: very much so um, and there are today estimated to be approximately 50,000 undocumented Irish in the United States um, so it's it's still an issue for the Irish in America
0: I, I, undocumented that they slip across the border and Correct. Melt, or melt they into- you know
1: maybe overstay a uh, visa or what have you and begin working or starting their own businesses or what have you and yeah it's a it's something that has to be dealt with, with when and if comprehensive immigration reform happens. My granddad came from uh, County Armagh in Northern Ireland, and he went to fight in World War One. had nine children, all of whom were very industrious. My dad was a pipe fitter, helped to build the World Trade Center in New York City. I had an uncle who was a uh, police officer, we, one was a secret serviceman, um, my aunt was principal of the first school of the deaf in New York, um, St. Joseph's School of the Deaf, so I think the Irish experience has added a tremendous amount to the American experience as well.
3: How often do you go back to Ireland? Oh, I've been going back every year, actually. I've been going back every year, mainly because of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> mainly because, not the fact that I drink, but the, you know, whiskey the prohibition, when Pro- Ireland dominated, the Irish whiskey dominated America before prohibition, not Scotch, Irish, but when prohibition happened, they had nowhere to sell it, because that's where they sold it, here. Yeah. And that killed off, they had 37 distilleries in Dublin. They had no distilleries five years ago. But now the Irish uh, tourist board and the Irish government are pushing the fact that they see how well Jameson has done in this country. So it's a huge push. And I think they'll be 40 by the end of um, 21. So I go back because of that and to see how the progress is going for that. Because I have the most brands of Irish whiskey in the world, so.
0: Well, the whiskey boom has
3: been good yeah, for you. Not then. that we sell them all, but you know, a whole range of them and it's gonna get more and more and more and they'll be able to buy. They can't vie with Scotland at the moment or with scotch because it's so ingrained through the colonies and through here, people want scotch. Um, You know, you don't get 50,000, $100,000 bottles of of, uh, scotch but you now, they're starting to do, there's just one the other day, $35,000 but they mostly will not be drunk they most will be sold like paintings, you know, kept <laughs> and sold, but it's becoming huge.
1: How many brands do you have, Brian?
3: Uh, well, I think by tonight, I might have, tomorrow night, I might have 146. i got 140, yeah.
0: Do you have a, a sense, Kian, uh about um, how closely Irish Americans follow Irish politics and vice versa, the Irish, how much they follow our politics?
4: Yeah, uh, I, I think that there are close connections that, but that those connections uh, are episodic. In other words, they, they come and go. There, there's times when they're, when they're warmer than, than at others, right? And, and that makes sense. So I read the Irish Times every day online, which is the main Dublin newspaper. And um, American immigration, which Terry referred to earlier, uh, is, a, is a huge issue that's covered carefully in the Irish press, exactly for the reason that Terry suggested. I mean, there's lots of families in Ireland who are directly affected by the immigration policy. It's not something that's distant to Irish families. It's something that impacts them on a daily basis. And then while most Americans may not have been following uh, the uh, ups and downs of the latest election in Ireland, there was an election last week, I'm sure (laughs) most Americans probably aren't following it. But a lot of Americans would have understood the role that Ireland and the relationship between Ireland and Britain played in the huge debate over Brexit. Yeah. And so at times it becomes more and more, we'll say, important in each other's eyes. I'll also say that Ireland is a unique country in that, could you imagine if on the 4th of July, uh, the President of the United States went to... London, and the Secretary for Commerce went to Ottawa, and the, all these major ministers uh, in the government went or left Ireland, uh, sorry, left the United States on the 4th of July. That's what happens in Ireland. Like, Irish government, the main Irish government players leave Ireland on St. Patrick's Day to foster their connections with governments. The biggest example, of course, being when our Taoiseach, our Prime Minister, comes to the White House and has his annual St. Patrick's Day audience with the president and he gives him a bowl of shamrocks and everybody smiles. But it's unique that a country of Ireland's size could have the ear of the American president
0: every year guaranteed. Americans tend to not pay attention to anything that happens outside our borders. We have only the thinnest understanding of what goes on in the rest of the world. Um, In general, Can you help us understand where the Irish are on Brexit? We've got a general idea here, very thin, about Brexit and how that works and what it means. Uh, Where were the Irish in this discussion?
4: Yeah, so I would say that, generally speaking, the the population in the Republic of Ireland, and Terry and and your other guests may may be able to clarify this, is that, generally speaking, the Republic of Ireland considers the European Union to be a positive development and considers the European Union to be a good thing and so most people within the Republic of Ireland would consider Brexit to be an accident, sorry, a mistake like a mistake economically, politically, culturally, etc. The north of Ireland of course, Northern Ireland is more complicated in that a large percentage of that, about half of that percent of that population considers themselves part of Britain and about half generally consider themselves to be part of Ireland and so so the so the politics and the decisions within northern ireland are more complicated but generally speaking i would say that that irish people consider brexit to be to be a mistake and to and the problem is is that if if the border along ireland between Ire- the republic of ireland and northern ireland becomes a border for europe and has soldiers and Watchtowers put on it to control immigration, that does provide the potential to reignite the troubles, which were the low-intensity uh, uh, guerrilla warfare of the 1980s and 90s, which nobody wants to go Did back. Did I
0: to. just read about it? A, a, a move to unify the two again, or discussion there's, about
4: that? There's, there's, there are, there is talks that perhaps one way to to overcome the problems presented by brexit is to give the people of northern ireland a chance to make their own democratic decision as to whether they would prefer to remain within britain or prefer to remain or or rejoin we'll say ireland
1: and in fact the majority of people in northern ireland did not vote to leave um the eu Oh yeah, and that's an important point. So that's an important. So that's, an important um, that's an important uh, point. The other thing for context is the island of Ireland is about a third the size of Nevada, and the population of the island is about six million, with about four and a half million being in the Republic and one and a half being in um, Northern Ireland, which is part of the UK. It gets complicated.
0: Mm-hmm. It? And did, did they follow our politics enough to make a judgment on whether we're crazy or not? Or, they do. Uh,
1: <laughs> I in my in my experience, they do because. Being an American, people, you know, ask, so you go there. And what, they yes. Ask, what, what 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 are you people doing? <laughs> um, they, I think they follow it way more than they know a lot more about us than we know about them.
0: For and sure, Brian. When you travel, uh, do they ask you political questions?
3: Uh, after they ask, can they go along with you? That is. Um, yes, they do. I, I have a, uh, I have strong views, but because I have a pub, sure. I don't deal with religion or politics, because it's, you know, I would have 50% Republicans and 50% Democrats, and sometimes you don't know who's what. And neither of
0: those those topics ever get discussed in pubs,
3: right? No, they shouldn't. Sometimes (laughs) they do. I mean, I had an Irish gentleman in his complaining about immigration, how terrible it was, and he may have only been lived here 10 years. And I had to remind him, because he was complaining about where people were coming over the border, I had to remind him, you were thought about that once and you shouldn't be saying that. Just keep quiet, you, you don't know anything. And um, he did keep quiet about it because, you know, Irish were really badly treated. I mean, there's no doubt, historical fact, they were badly treated when they first got. And they fought on both sides of the Union and they fought on the, on the uh, Confederate. Confederate side got killed on both sides, brothers fought brothers. They still weren't that treated, well treated afterwards. So,
0: there were a lot of Irish soldiers yeah. in the cavalry and the, the settled the American West which, as well as I recall. Yeah, the which Irish shows again. you
3: what happens today too. They fight in, the, in Afghanistan, in Iraq. They come back, they can't become citizens a number of them. So, you know, it's difficult. It's not for me to judge it, but it's for me to say in, in people feel that.
0: In the seven or eight minutes we got left, let's drum up a little uh, tourism for, uh, for Ireland. What do what you tell people to go see, Terry, when you, when you urge them to go over?
1: Well, it, you know, it's a small enough country that you can see a lot of it in a short amount of time, but uh, you kind of end up wanting to stay because it just grows on you. The people grow on you. Um, a, everybody's very friendly and likes to have a chat. They wanna hear about you. Um, the thing that I, I was recently there and the thing that stood out to me the most was that it didn't seem to me that time was money. You know, how we're all in a bit of a rush here and over there, people want to know about you. They wanna know where you're from and what you do and what you like. So to go there, Dublin is a, it's a European city. It's got a lot of history. Um, there's a brand new uh, museum there that I really found myself liking. It's called uh, EPIC, the Irish Emigration Museum, about all of the people who've left Ireland and gone and made huge impacts all around the world. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, in fact, DNA um, was one of the discoveries of an, I- an Irish person. The White House was designed by an Irishman so lots and lots of things, submarines were designed by Irish people. So lots of gifts there. And it was a very interesting, but it's also, there's a juxtaposition of history and modern modernism. So you see uh, Google and Facebook um, building very modern buildings right next to uh, carefully preserved buildings that are important to the history of the, the Republic of Ireland, right? So that's very interesting. And then the west of Ireland is just the most gorgeous scenery I've ever seen in the world. That's what you've
0: told me every yes. time we've talked about it.
1: <laughs> so you can drive around the entire island and you can do a whiskey tour of you know all the distilleries, not necessarily just to drink a lot of whiskey, but there's a lot of culture in the creation of Irish whiskey. There's a lot to do and see there.
3: I think if you, American, and you go to any other country, I don't think you'll be treated better than in Ireland. Uh, Irish love America. Yeah. I think love with a capital L, mm-hmm. and um, they uh, always open, treat you with open arms. They welcome you with open arms. Um, that's what I've always experienced. No matter experienced, your politics anyway. either. They, yeah.
1: they, they like to talk about it one way or the other, right? Yeah. Can, mm-hmm. You just. Oh, it's Whenever, absolutely, yeah. Wherever you fall, a, a good argument is always a good thing, right? Mm. <laughs>
0: do you uh, see Americans um, increasingly looking into their DNA, genealogical roots, and then tracking down their Irish relatives? Just sh- show up and, hey, I'm here, knock on the door. Is is that your members uh, engage in any of that? Do you, do you?
2: Um, yes, I mean, we have uh, most everybody, I would say, well... A lot of people in the in the club have done their DNA, and um, and yes, like to trace back. Um, in fact, one of the women in the in the club, her last name is Kennedy, or was Kennedy, and she, my last name was Kenny. And so she said, "Oh, but I have some Kennys in my so." Yeah, it it sort of gets talked about and and that sort of thing. I don't know if I would just I have still relatives there, so I'm told, but I don't know that I would just show up and knock on their no, door. I, it, it, do, that, it does happen, though. It happens, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, I
3: mean, I get people because of the pub. They come in and they think I know everything about her. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Terry knows everything about yeah. her. But they come in and say, w- where should we go? What should we do? We're looking for, be it Kelly, be it Murphy, be it whatever else. And a number of them have come back. Some haven't found their people. They know which village they come from. Some only know the village that they come from and they find people, I could talk a whole show on what they say about when they come back. Well, tell us a little bit. Well, quickly, um, this uh, guy came in one day and I was serving at the bar years ago and he said, I have gotta talk to you, I have gotta talk to you. I said, okay, I'll be with you in a moment. I came over to him and he said, my mother and father went to Ireland. They knew the village they were at. They were both retired. They'd been married 50 years or whatever, but the wife was keen on finding her her, um, her, her, her ancestors. The, the husband wasn't as keen, but he went along. And they went to a pub in the town. They didn't know who the, you know, they obviously knew the names and whatever, and they spoke to people, and one lady came up, one who worked there came up. Don't talk to them. I, I'll take you to my house and we can have a chat about it. <laughs> took it to the house. They took them to the house. The husband wasn't too happy. She got on a chair, sat them down, got on a chair, went on top of the closet, picked out a cardboard box, and started leafing through these photographs. You know, as you used to do, you didn't look on your phone, you'd look at the photographs that you never put up, but they were always in this box. And she pulled out a big one and she turned it to them. She said, I don't know who these people are. was a wedding photograph. It was their wedding photograph. (laughs) You know, there's hairs on my, my (laughs) arms went up. Because people you know, you're over in America, you've gone, you're two generations back, but you still, there are people who send it back to brothers or sisters. My daughter got married or my whatever. And people get it, they don't know who you are. They just know that these are long-lost cousins, and they stick it in the box. And, that, uh, and he said, you don't have to believe me. My, my parents are coming in, and they'll tell you. And,
0: <laughs> and in general, did. the Irish are, it happens enough oh, that yeah. The, yeah. they get used to. Yeah, I've
1: heard, yeah. I've heard multiple stories of sim- similar things. I,
3: I think it's a wonderful thing to know about your ancestors and whatever else. You get that camaraderie, and they become friends, and long distance as it may be, you know?
0: Kian, while well, we have a chance, mm-hmm. tell us about your book that you wrote. Um, what the title of it is, what's in it, and um, maybe we can sell a couple
4: copies. Of it. <laughs> well, thanks, George. So um, yes, yeah, so the first book I wrote was published in 2015, and it was called the Global, Di- the Global Dimensions of Irish Identity. And I was interested in the ways in which newspapers in the 1840s and the 1850s were used as a medium for, for connecting. Uh, between Irish people around the world. We think nowadays, as you just referred to photographs, we pick up the phone and we text or communicate, email somebody very quickly. In the 19th century, I mean, early 19th century, information only moved as fast as a ship could carry it. You know what I mean? So it took weeks and months for information to, to, to be transmitted. That meant that information was that little bit more important in, an import, in some ways, and so I'm interested in that. Uh, Terry was just uh, referred to the Epic Museum in Dublin. I grew up in Dublin. I'm, of course, partial to Dublin and all things great about it. There are many. One great thing uh, beside the Epic Museum is a replica of a sailing ship from the years of the famine, and it's called the Jeannie Johnson, which was a real ship. And you can, it's a living museum. You can go on with the docent and you can go down and you can climb into the, into steerage as it was called. And going to this ship, this museum, several times sparked in myself an interest in the experiences of emigrants at sea. So I'm currently working on a new book, which I'm calling The Coffin Ship. And that seeks to understand the strategies and tactics that emigrants used at sea during the Great Famine.
0: Well, Kian and Brian and Diane and Terry, uh, great to have you here and share this with us. And I guess the, the only question is, are we going in one car to the pub or are we all going <laughs> are we one separately you very welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Right. That's it for us with this edition of uh, Cultures in Las Vegas.